welcome to the Wildy Wellbeing podcast. I'm Luke. And I'm Holly. And today we have our final interview in our series that has focused on different people and their perspectives of what well-being could look like. We're delighted that Annie from TechUra is able to join us. Annie is one of the key leaders of TechUra, and she's going to be talking a little bit about their experiences of well-being in the community. So let's get into Tirana. I love an international one. So hi there, Annie. Hello. Nice to be here with you. Hi, Annie. Thanks for coming along. All the way from... I'm in Tirana, Albania now. It's a probably quite like it is in England, actually, at the moment. It's rainy and it's cold, which is kind of sad, but... Um... Well, it sounds like we're here in weather spirits then, because it's exactly <laughs> the same here. Well, in London, it is flipping freezing, but there is no rain. So we're just going to have this conversation without Luke from now on. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> and so, Annie, it's really lovely to have you with us today through the wonders of technology. Uh, we're crossing international waters again today. For those who don't really know anything about Tirana or Albania, do you want to give us a little overview from your perspective? Yeah, sure. So, um, Tirana is the capital of Albania, which is a small country which is bordered by lots of other countries and has Greece at the bottom and Italy across the water. And it was a previous communist country, but um, now this city um, in Tirana is a really vibrant, bustling city, but that has a huge amount of deprivation, particularly in the area that we're working in, but also a huge amount of uh, I think, joie de vivre and a real sense of life and community in its midst as well. Yeah, I mean, both Holly and I have previously spoken about Albania on one of our other podcasts and people who know me will know that I have a particular relationship and affinity with the country. Yeah, I, I completely agree with what you're saying. There is a, a life force to Tirana and particularly to I think Albanian people that just bring a sense of energy and and you just use that word community Mm. Um, I don't know if I've been anywhere in the world that has a sense of community like when you get a bunch of Albanians together yeah the thing that's so amazing is you can be in a room with Albanians who might be living in the UK or might be living in all different bits of Albania but they will find something that connects them together and suddenly everyone is connected in some way and so this sense of really people looking out for each other and loving each other and supporting each other is something that's really beautiful to see where we live and it's one of the reasons we absolutely love being here. Could you just tell us briefly how long you've been in Albania? Do you feel like you've become part of that fabric now? Um, So we moved to Tirana in 2014. Um, So we've been here just over six years now. And absolutely, it feels like home. But I think for anyone who lives overseas and is from somewhere else, you never quite feel that you fit anywhere, do you? That you, you have senses of thinking, oh, yes, this place is great. But there are some things that something will be done that you just think, I just have absolutely no idea why that is done in that way. But yet, okay, I'll go with it because clearly I'm missing something. But um, but yeah, certainly this feels like home for us and our family. And we feel really committed to what's going on here as well at Tegora. So talk to us a little bit about Tegora then and the kind of nature of the work that you're doing and perhaps a little bit of the backstory as to how Tegora came to be because it's actually, it's an incredible initiative that when you get under the, the hood of it all, there's so much going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that it, that people will want to hear about how and what community looks like in the work that you're doing. 
Yeah, sure. So as we said, we moved to Toronto in 2014. And I think whilst we've said these really great positive things about what Tirana is, I think one thing that really did shock us was poverty that was just really visible in a day-to-day basis. So imagine going down to your local rubbish dump and seeing kids scavenging around in the bins to find things to eat or to sell. That's shocking. But yet for many people, it become normal. You hadn't really seen that in the same way. And we really reflected on wanting to make a difference in that environment, but also bring, wanting to bring about that community change to say this is a problem that all of us need to own and want to change rather than this being a foreign initiative to change some of those things. And so Tecora was set up in 2015. And what Tecora means is at the bridge. And literally, we have a bridge which is about a minute from the door of our community centre. And really what we wanted it to be was a meeting place for people who needed support, but also for those communities that we've talked about to be able to come together and work together to bring about change. Our vision at Tecora is to see a flourishing community where all our active participants are on all are involved and all are valued. So this idea that wherever you come from, whatever background you have, whether you be Roma heritage, whether you be a person with a disability, whether you be an older person who is isolated, that actually there is a place that you can come and be supported and you can grow with others to bring about that flourishing community. Wow, that's really beautifully put. So it seems like what you're trying to create is this sort of community that maybe draws on different segments of other communities. Yeah, Um, so um, as we know, all community is made up by a number of other communities that feed into that, isn't it? That you, You know, we can use the word team, we can use the word group, but to say we're all, and we're often a part of a number of those, aren't we? We might be... We might support a football team and we're part of that community, but we also go to a school and we're a part of that school community or the work community. But actually, all of those can feed in to support each other for our wider sense of the community in this area. And so because the area we were in was quite diverse, we noticed at the beginning that there were those good community links in those individual communities. But actually, there was a lot of animosity and some mistrust between those other groups. And so are really saying, actually, how can we bring those groups together around things that they have in common and also things that they want to change too and say, how can we work together to bring that and build a greater sense of community between those those individual groups? Do you have examples of the the kind of activities or resources or events that you've been doing to kind of engender that sense of community and bring those disparate groups together? Yeah, so I was just thinking actually about this. So we recently ran some health promotion programs for um, essentially antenatal classes, etc. And what was really wonderful to see was that we were using an organisation that specialises in this, that we're using our centre, that we were bringing together these people that we know from the projects and seeing that the people that came to that were people from different walks of life, but yet they were coming together with a common purpose of wanting to know how can we learn best to care for our child? How can we know what's going to happen when we're giving birth? How can we know what the hospital's going to be like? All those things. What was so great to see was some of those people who you wouldn't expect to be the experts 
were the experts because they'd had number of children before for example so we had a couple of mums from Roma background who would never consider themselves experts in lots of other things but actually we had some mums who were first-time mums who were maybe considered themselves as not not the same as those mums from the Roma heritage but yet they were going oh can you tell me about this oh can you share me with me what this means feeling like they were growing and learning from someone they would never expect to do that from previously and to see that growth together and then that friendship being built and also some of those barriers being broken down between those mums who previously might not think that they had anything in common to say no actually there's lots that we can share together and you know and then being really excited when one of them then gave birth a couple of weeks ago saying oh that's fantastic I'm going to go and visit and just see how she is and see how she's doing you know they only live five minutes away from each other and previously before those kind of initiatives they would never have thought of going around and just checking how they are and seeing the new baby. But yet, because of having that opportunity of learning together, they then are able to say, actually, we can support each other in our in our life as we develop together. So community is not only really good for individuals in terms of sense of uh, well-being and connection to others. And, you know, we're human beings. We need relationships. We need connections. But it's also empowering. It enables people to demonstrate skills and to be leaders in perhaps in spaces they never considered before so what I hear you saying is there's a real sense of empowerment and mm. part of what Tecura is doing is about empowering people at a local level and again and again you know our three values at, at Tecura are about inclusion empowerment and celebration and wanting to bring about those that happens on a local level individually and then as a group so some of the things in terms of community empowerment we've been doing recently and and again this is one thing where COVID has really impacted on that but we've seen people finding their own ways of making that work. Previously we used to have community forums where we would meet together, we would facilitate that but then community members would be saying well actually we really want to work on the road here it's terrible that it's like this and we'd say well look you know who who can submit that to the local authority to get it fixed who's going to do that who's going to be the person who's going to go and uh, visit the municipality to say what's happened with that request what are we going to do and we'd be doing that together now obviously over covid meeting in a community forum is not quite so possible and most people aren't able to do that um, virtually because they don't have the facilities in the same way but actually what's been really encouraging is to see individuals coming to us and saying hey we've noticed this is a problem and then another individual coming saying hey we've noticed this is a problem and saying right okay well almost us acting as the go-between to say well you've said this this person said this what do you what do you think we can do and doing that as a almost like an individual but yet as a group just out of interest then Annie it sounds like in the community that you're building and working amongst perhaps the privilege that we have of communicating online and all that that brings us in a work sense but also a social sense I think most of us have been relying on our phones on FaceTime on Skype on Zoom on online games and like Netflix you've spoke a little bit about some of the ways that almost like a little chain of individuals in your community have kept that could you tell us anything about the sort of the wider picture of what that looks like in Albania in a COVID situation where people don't have the kind of luxuries that we do? Yeah, so I think that the schools here are now half online, half not. 
And that has been quite tough for quite a lot of families. And so we supported back in April 30 families that we were connected with for tablets and being able to connect their online schooling. But that was also for uh, some of our families. So we have a lot of programs for kids and um, families with disabilities. For many of those families, they were very, very concerned about the risk of COVID, understandably, particularly for the parents, recognising that they are often the sole carers for those children. And if they are unwell, then they can't care for their child. It's that simple. There's no respite. There's no carers going into the house. There's none of that kind of service at all. And so many of those parents felt very isolated very quickly because they were no longer able to go to their therapy. Most of the kids weren't able to access schooling. And so we very quickly thought, right, what do we do to enable that connection to happen? So some of those families we supported with tablets to enable them to continue their therapy online with us, but also for them to be able to connect with each other. And so us engaging with them both individually but also enabling that to happen between families within Tecora. And so again, you know, we were talking about different communities, recognizing the need for that support. And for some of our kids with disabilities, that's looked like having our sensory therapy programs out on the we have um oh what's the word in Albania in English? Like a um like you know like a, a fuchsia in Albanian the, Oh yeah. Like, um, an, like yeah an indoor outdoor sports field that like yeah. is covered basically it's covered, it's covered. But it's kind of outdoors. anyway so we have um we have those and so we've used that for our therapy sessions recognizing that human interaction is absolutely crucial yeah i think we you know we've moved on a little bit to talking about the impact of that dreaded c word and in the uk especially i think we've noticed or at least some people have begun to notice the problems that we've had build up over the years by having quite insular looking communities that are really only focused on perhaps one or two people. The UK compared to a lot of countries in other parts of the world over the last sort of probably well the post-war period has become really focused around only the immediate family unit Mm -hmm. with perhaps some other community connections perhaps Mm -hmm. if you are a practicing faith member you might have a connection to your church or your mosque or your synagogue um, or you might volunteer but you tend to have quite limited community connections particularly in um, urban built up areas and I think during this period of COVID and the subsequent lockdowns and various restrictions that have been enforced on a number of countries but particularly from a UK perspective people have noticed that that's when those that more individualistic or that smaller community focus begins to unstick slightly because you don't have the support network. Yeah, I think you're really right. The other thing I've noticed in the UK is also that a lot of people's extended network is not local. So they may have, you know, I'm thinking about an older person might have a couple of friends locally but then they have one son living two hours away and another person living a couple of hours away this way. And suddenly, when you require local support, it's not possible, not because those people don't care, but because they weren't allowed to travel to support mm. you in the same way or whatever. Um, I think, again, here, you know, it's very common for a family to have three brothers living along the same road and the whole family to be very close to each other. In terms of providing support, 
we saw that happening between people in a way that perhaps it was more challenging to have that in the UK. I think the other thing that was really, really wonderful to see was obviously there were people who were financially really struggling. And so we were able to support some people with food over that um, over that crisis period. But actually, we also saw members saying, oh, well, actually, I've got some peppers here. Oh, were you going to see that family? Can you take them along to them? Because actually, we've got a few more here than we need. They can use some of those from my garden or whatever it might be, because it's only a couple of minutes away to just go in. They might stand just at the door, but just going and checking how someone who lives just along the road to them is doing. And again, seeing that sense of, well, we're in this together was really encouraging to see people supporting each other with what that they had. And yes, for some people that was really dire because many, many people were working either in the black market or were working doing rubbish collection or roles like that or working in the factories, which all obviously shut straight away. And so over that period, you had people who were doing all right before or at least were in work suddenly being in a point where they have, were having no money coming in for their family. And that felt really tough for lots of people initially. And, you know, there were some government initiatives, um, but it was difficult for many people to know how to access them and on what to do, really. It was interesting what you said, Annie, about our communities in the UK being um, a lot more spread out, basically. Mm-hmm. We tend to have our own little like bubble. And so often, this is something we learned during lockdown, is we don't know what's just on our doorstep or who's there. A couple of nights ago, a couple of our neighbours from up the road came round to give a little happy Christmas card and to introduce themselves. And my initial reaction was, oh, giddy aunt, right? You know, this is awkward or this is embarrassing, which is so terrible because I've got no idea who lives three houses up. I wouldn't know if actually they're suddenly really sick or if they've got a problem or if if they could help me with something that I need help with. And it really struck me. It might sound cheesy, but speaking to your neighbours, knowing who's in your physical kind of bubble in your physical community, from what we hear from the kind of communities you're working with, everyone benefits. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, you know, along my road, I know and everybody knows us, you know, but my road back at home in the UK, I don't know everybody. And that's that's because life is different. It's not because English people aren't wonderful and aren't um, hospitable and want to know what's going on. It's just that often we are going to work and then we're coming back at this time and our, our, our lives don't necessarily coincide and there isn't necessarily places for us to connect. Whereas I think... In Albania, and again, that's one of the roles that Tecora is wanting to have, is to have that place to connect. And one of our our program areas is about connection, is about saying, actually, how do we enable those people who are isolated to connect with others who are in similar situations, but also to support them and therefore gain mutual support in that, whether that be an older social group or whether it be uh, kids from diverse backgrounds playing football together, whatever it looks like, saying actually we need to be providing opportunities for that connection to happen because I think for some people it happens naturally because of their neighbours, because they have those natural connections. For others, we need to say, no, we need to find a way for that to happen because of the isolation they're experiencing for whatever reason. To allow that connection to be something that we are positive about doing, I think is crucial. And I think that COVID has just taught us 
quite how important that is. I think we all kind of knew that before. The need for connection is something within all of us. And we we need to find ways to foster that for those who may not be able to foster it themselves. Yeah, absolutely. And so looking ahead, Annie, what are you most excited about, about the work of Tech Ura? Yeah, so one area that, again, we set up as a response to COVID, didn't expect it to be quite as popular as it has been, is a homework club. So quite a lot of kids, they have a lot of homework. And if they're in a family where their parents might struggle to help them with that homework or there's not a space that they can do it, that's becoming really quite difficult. So we set up a homework club with our skills worker here who uh, she's able to work with those kids to for them to learn together or just to have a space for them to be able to do it. That's really developed, really grown, which has been brilliant. But also what's been really great is we've started to have some local volunteers. So people who are in the area, it might be that they're one or two of them are um, people who just finished university, struggling to find work at the moment. And they're coming and volunteering, helping some of those kids locally to be able to um, progress with their schoolwork. And I'm really looking forward to seeing how that develops further. The other area I'm really excited to see is about really what does flourishing community look like so I think that we're we're at a point that we're starting to see I guess if you think of it as a flower we're starting to see some of those small buds coming about some of those people connecting together but what does it mean to really live what does it mean to really flourish in that there are lots of lots of projects and ideas we have to bring that about obviously all of that requires support and funding to happen and for people to feel yeah I can really make a difference in that particularly for those people who for a long time have thought or been told that you're nothing that you've got nothing to offer to be able to say to people no actually you've got everything to offer requires support to do that. Is there a way that people who are listening can find out a little bit more is there a way that people could support you can you just tell us how we can find you yeah absolutely um so we have a website which is um www.techora.org equally we update our facebook quite a lot um and we try and keep up to date with what's happening in projects and programs as well within that and that is you can look for us as tirana tech aura Thanks so much, Annie, for sharing a little bit about the journey that Tech Ura has been on and what community and well-being looks like in Tirana. It was really wonderful to have you with us today. Thank you. And thanks for listening as well. It was um, really great to be able to share too. (laughs) Thank you, Annie. It's been so nice. Right now, my heart is aching for Albania. I just want to you know, I'll get on a boat, I'll get in a canoe, whatever it takes, I need to get me back there. Because after having that conversation with Annie, I just, oh, I'm missing it so much. There was so much to to take from what Annie was saying. I found it really encouraging. And there was a level of, actually, we can do this here too. Yeah, totally. Um, I just quickly want to pick up on the image of you in a canoe going on the way to Albania. I don't know if I've ever... I remember one time at school we had to because we grew up near um, the Cookmere Haven, dear listeners, um, and we we at one point I think they tried to like get us out onto the waters. I literally refused point blank. I no. I don't know if I've ever actually been in. Oh no, maybe one time as like a cub, like a scout. I don't know, but no, I don't recommend it, and I'm up. not sure that you should traverse whatever oceans you'll be traversing to get there. I know that I really loved that feeling of community and warmth and connection and just my few visits to Albania. 
And I really feel like Annie has encouraged me to look to my immediate community. It almost strikes me as crazy that we don't know who we live next door to. What's that all yeah. about? And I think there's a real lesson to be learned about looking to the needs of the community and then gathering together and, and figuring out a way collectively to find solutions. So Annie was talking about even quite minor things, although in Albania, this isn't necessarily minor, the state of the roads are hit and miss. In times of COVID, do we know who in our in our buildings or in our roads or in our broader communities need food parcels? You know, the, these really simple, at least initial steps that are quite simple to do um, that can have really profound and long-lasting impact. And bearing in mind that, that Dan and Annie have been in um, Albania now, as she said, for, for six years. Like, building community is a, a long process, but the benefits are so worthwhile. And a little bit like Annie was talking about these people from different communities who wouldn't normally even interact, who came together. That's what community is about. Just taking the time to get to know each other a little bit and just see what there is that could be fruitful in that connection. So that was the last in our series of interviews. We'll be back next week with our final episode of the Wildly Wellbeing podcast for this season, where it's just pure Holly and Luke. Comes with a health warning. As always. Prepare yourselves, it will be just full on us. In the meantime, don't forget to rate and like the podcast and to share it with your friends. And in the meantime, have a lovely week and see you next week. See you next week. Get into your community. Bye.